Maybe that's it. Because I think what scares me about witches is that, like, I don't even want to get my put myself on the radar of them for a spell. You know? Because let's just say, what is it? A 50-50 chance spells really exist? 50-50? 51-49? You're saying zero? I don't know. That's a tough one. I would have to, I would have, to have some examples of spells working. Okay, let's just say 97-3. <laughs> 3% of the chance that spells really are real. I could live with that. Right? That 3% is enough for me to never want to meet one. everybody and welcome to the 71st episode of according to alan i'm your host alan muskowski we are live in the local 219 studios and i am joined with kyle muha kyle say hello hello nice the Uh, signature hello (laughs) um we've it's been two weeks since we've podcasted and uh a lot has happened in that two weeks and so uh i don't know do you want to start anywhere in particular no, I don't have anything in particular. I know that we're getting all of our kind of October stuff starting to get together with the Halloween party and yeah. And so we, Bob Marley brunch coming up. Good man. We do have to, we got the Bob Marley brunch that's already sold out. Our Halloween party we just put out a teaser for that. I'm really excited about that one. That one will be dropping on Facebook as well, and that'll be really cool. Um, I'm also really kind of kicking around the idea of doing a. Uh, like secular religious podcast well i don't even know what exactly that means it means that i'd like to do one that focuses on very unique aspects of religion so like for instance i'd like to interview a witch i would be on board to listen to that or like a voodoo person um what about what are those card reader people called tarot cards tarot cards i think that would be interesting I like to interview a psychic. All these just crazy things. And I'm also kicking around the idea of interviewing people who may have a background, an extensive background with haunted places in the area. I can tell stories about them. Like someone if they had an experience with a haunted or just a, a history nut in regards to... Uh, ghost stories well i'm not really interested in someone telling me the history so much i think that'd be kind of a maybe a good like opening like you know i don't know the old crown point jail you know and then like have like this whole description going on of like people explaining everything would be kind of cool and then we kick into the stories from people who actually experienced it would be really cool you know like built in 1905 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> whatever is that how the audiobook would read i would think so i feel like that voice should be a little scary <laughs> i don't feel like it should be crazy scary i don't think it should be like demonic but i'm thinking like history channel with drama so ancient al- aliens almost is that how they talk on ancient aliens i just the only thing I, I have any kind of recollection of from ancient aliens is that guy with the big hair and the big eyes that guy literally any music festival I ever go to, there there is always like one of those cardboard. What are those heads? 
Yeah, those cutout heads, like on a pole with him on it. Every festival I go to. It's a great move. I've never been the guy at a music festival to bring one of those. But the value in bringing one of those when you have 30 people that you're meeting up with is pretty, is pretty valuable. Yeah, I absolutely support the totem pole movement at festivals, but I'm never going to be the one just lugging a fucking pole <laughs> no way. throughout the entire festival. The move is one that kind of like you can take apart and then put it in your backpack and then have like a stuffed animal up top of it or something. That way it's like you don't have to carry it around all day. <laughs> Whoever started doing that, smart. Us humans are crazy. Yeah. Um, but the, do you watch Alien in, Aliens? No, I just I watched like three minutes of it and I'm bored. I never really seen it through. No, I just seen like clips of it on the like internet clips of ancient aliens. Gotcha. So like they're like you know internet snippets that are just like meant to be like like a grab, you know, like funny, I guess in some way. Gotcha. I just realized the voice I was trying to do was like movie trailer voice in a world <laughs> that is that is a mooch. um but no maybe something just like maybe we hire like a voice actor or something to kind of just do an opening like history of each place because the crown point jail one in particular is really fascinating because i met with those people i've experienced my own fair share of shit there so I think it'd be really fascinating. Maybe that's it. Because I think what scares me about witches is that, like, I don't even want to get my put myself on the radar of them for a spell. You know? Because let's just say, what is it? A 50-50 chance spells really exist? 50-50? 51-49? You're I, saying zero? I don't know. That's a tough one. I would have to. I would have to have some examples of... Spells working. Okay, let's just say 97.3. 3% of the chance that spells really are real. I could live with that. Right? That 3% is enough for me to never want to meet one. But would a real... I don't know how witches necessarily work, but would they fully reveal themselves as a witch? Well, I guess it comes down to the good and evil of witches, right? I mean, I think that... I was just talking to a guy yesterday about witches. Um, his sister is a psychic. And so is his mom. And I went over to 113 North to grab a bite before I wrapped up last night. And I ended up getting chatting it up with this guy. And he was telling me that some woman put a spell on him. And she's like, and he's like, dude, this woman was not attractive. Uh, she was like way overweight. Um, she lived in Rockford, Illinois. And he's like, she put a spell on me for two months and all I wanted was her. He's like, I was driving up to Rockford and shit. And I'm like, come on. He's like, no, seriously. And then he was talking about how... How did he get under... How did he stop the spell, essentially? Don't know. (laughs) Maybe they wear off over time. (laughs) I I have no idea. But see, that's what I'd want to find out. I want to find out about all of it. It's fascinating to me that there's this whole subculture of religion of people doing crazy things that we know nothing about. But then again, do you want to know stuff about it? That's the thing. I don't know if I want to go down that path. Like, next thing you know, it's like, hey, what's up? Why is Alan walking with a limp and he's, like, not being able to speak because he's stuttering all the time? Some witch put a fucking spell on him. He's done. He's done. That's his game. Yeah. Throwing the fucking top. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I want that. In worst case, it's like, do I even want, like, bad juju? I don't want that either. No. If you, you have know? the opportunity to stay away from bad juju, it's probably in your best interest. Do it. So... Do I care about journalism that much to put myself in the, the line of fire of that? I don't know. 
I don't. Th- I, I mean, I'd like to think I do, but then like I've got a kid, I've got a family to worry about. You know. Yeah, the last thing you like, because what? Who knows if that spell could wear off on other people too. Right. There's just a lot at stake to be fucking around with spells. <laughs> Even if it's three percent possible. Unless you're Harry Potter. That's you- a completely different story. Because then I'd have to be like, I'd have to be adopted by two parents that don't want me. That's how everyone no, those movies start. I'm just saying in terms of uh, being able to stop the spells. If you're Harry Potter, I'm sure you could right. scheme up a spell to reverse the spell you're under. Well, I think that's the scary part is I don't know how to reverse anything. Besides Uno. <laughs> yeah, well, reverse, reverse, and the cha-cha slide. <laughs> I, I just want to point out I hate the cha-cha slide. Well, you're a DJ at weddings, so do you want to kind of dive into that? Why? Any type of, like, chicken dance bullshit, anything like that, you're going to have to pay me extra to play that shit. I'm pretty sure if my wife was here right now, you'd be defending your life. She's all about the chicken dance? Not the chicken dance. That one, I feel like everyone's over the chicken dance. Ugly uh, was Cotton Eye Joe. Everyone's over those songs. Yeah. But the cha-cha slide, uh, the wobble. The, wo- the wobble I can live with. Those are like real songs for people that get super excited when those come out in a, in a serious situation. Cupid Shuffle. Yep. That's, a, that's an absolute banger. For- oh, dude. So let me ask you this. I've always, I've always found this curious. As a DJ, when do you pull those songs out? Definitely not right away. And definitely not. It's like... Early in the, like, not in the middle, but right before the middle of the night, I guess, if that makes sense. So, about maybe an hour in. Okay, so I'm going to put us, I'm going to put the listeners in the situation. Dinner's over, right? People are wrapping up, bars are about to open back up. You know that you got that rush going on. What is the, what's going on in your head to get the party started? Well, I'd probably throw on some type of hip-hop song to whatever degree that is. Um, but A certain I'm d- era? Does it depend on what kind of people are there? Yeah, I'm definitely analyzing the crowd that's there. Um, so I've heard this before. Is this true? That if you go, if you can, if you can find out the demographic in which is going to be like your audience and play the songs that were popular in high school, you got them in their high school era. I mean, that's definitely a good start, I would say, for sure. You're at least, like, I would say mostly, like, when I... I would say open houses are the best, like, example of this. When I do uh, DJ open houses, it's been a while, but I would always cater that music to the 40- or 50-year-old dad. That's who, like, when I'm going to an open house, I know I'm, I'm bringing out the fucking classics from the eagles rolling stones acdc and shit like that and that's the old guys are going to be going crazy so out of out of curiosity how old are you 23 24 24 when's the last open house you've dj'd the last one i don't know if i did one i didn't do one this summer but i think i'm i didn't probably three years ago okay but in your mind you're still doing open houses yeah i i have (laughs) Listen, I probably have an experience of about 25 DJ to open houses under my belt. It's a specialty, I would say, at this point. You know, every DJ needs to start somewhere. I'm sure Skrillex was doing open houses. <laughs> it was more so like, 
It was more so a thing where people, like, while I was in high school, like, parents knew I DJed. Mm-hmm. And then after I got out of high school and people still had, like, siblings <clears throat> in high school, they, I was just kind of the person everyone had in mind because they knew okay. that I did it. So let's get back to weddings really quick. Because yeah. open houses, are, that's a, it's not, I don't feel like the pressure is not so much on the DJ in an open house. No, not at it, all. In a wedding, what, it can make or break it, right? What, weddings, there's a lot of anxiety. Well, at least for my, I've only done one so far. And there were there was a lot of anxiety going into it. Oh yeah, because then you've got to do your DJ voice, which is completely different. That's it's like, that's the worst part of doing a wedding is being the MC. I forgot what wedding I was at, but this one Asian guy was DJing, and I'm not kidding, man. Every song he played was for himself, and this dude would go out there, and you would have thought it was the Asian Michael Jackson the way this dude was dancing. <laughs> And it was literally upstaging everybody. I mean, he's flipping hats. He's doing like, uh, what's that song? Billy Jean. He's got Billy Jean going. He's got the whole choreographed video. He's throwing hats into the crowd. It was like, this kid is on fire, dude. Um, I don't know if I want that for my DJ at a wedding, though. No, I didn't. I you, felt you, like you, he shouldn't be stealing the show. It was, it was never ending. Every five minutes when conversation would slow down a little bit, it's like, look at that asshole. <laughs> Because no one's doing that. That's normal. No. You know, You're, it's just not a normal guy move to do. Unless I'm getting paid some serious big bucks, I'm not doing that. What level of drunk do you need to be to dance at a wedding? It depends. If I'm at a family wedding, I'm probably not going to be dancing too much. Okay. I'm at a friend's wedding. I'm super lit, and I'm a maniac on the dance floor. Okay, okay. Um, I think for myself right now, I would have to be a nine and a half. To dance? To dance. And then in my head, I'm sure it's way better than it is out loud, like when people are watching it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I probably have some of the worst dance moves, but once I get enough beer in me, it, it doesn't even matter. Okay. Um, so just out of curiosity, though, you come out with a hip-hop song, worst, say, worst case scenario, incomplete pass. <laughs> right? Now it's second and ten. Next song. What is that going to be? Fuck, man. Um, maybe you do have to throw the Hail Mary and get the Cupid Shuffle out there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. When do you start bringing out the heavy hitters? Because you've only really got three downs, right? You get three songs in and no one's moving. Honestly, actually, I take that back. I wouldn't use that. I would probably, Billy Jean would probably be a good song to throw in at that time. Just something that people can relate to and dance that you know. Yeah. Like, there's got to be like a level of like 20 bangers in your in your background that you're For just sure. like. For sure. I would say on. Billy Jean's definitely like a song that will always pop off. I feel like Thriller seems to be pretty good, but that's like a later in the night yeah. one. Because you got to get. PYT, that's a pretty good one. Gotcha. Thing. I actually really like that song a lot. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Didn't Kanye sample that? I'm not sure. Okay. I wouldn't doubt it. Good life. The good life. I think that's a PYT sample. Welcome to the good life. Better than the life I live. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, just keep going, please. <laughs> no way. This isn't turning into a Corey Dallin karaoke edition, dude. <laughs> You got one line, that's it. It was um, very well executed, I must <laughs> thank say. You. Thank you. Um, but going back to, so I know we got a lot, we got pretty off track with the wedding stuff, but the Halloween party should be really good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm super stoked that Fresh Ops is playing Talking Heads. 
we initially had it on on Halloween night, and that was going to be a Thursday. And to be honest with people, like when we do things, we just try to put them in the best best play, position to succeed. That's what we try to do, and like it just didn't make sense to do it on a weeknight. I think we were limiting it to such a small audience of people that could actually go. Definitely, because I mean it's it's going to be hard because it's a party, and like if I'm going to a party, I'm looking to get. A little wasted, you know. Yeah. And then on a Thursday, it's just a tough move to make for people. You know what we should do? We should try to get sponsored by Tinder. <laughs> just set them up. Hey. Hey, Tinder. It's local 2 and 9. <laughs> what, uh, do, you want, do you want a piece of this? <laughs> Swipe think, right. Swipe right. I didn't think, I didn't think that flick was going to go. It was right. a solid flick. <laughs> Swipe right if you're interested. Swipe left if you're not. Maybe something like that. Kind of play, play, put the uh, cards on them. I thought I, when you said Tinder there, I thought you were like gonna try and like match people at the event. No, I'm not that. I'm not that worried about it. Um, I would like to do do use it as an exposure piece for a lot of people though. So if there's anything that we can do to help out, let's do it. Um, uh, NV Media, the guy who did our selfie, um, which you weren't at for Wingfest, uh, he is bringing that thing again, which is like awesome, dude. It's really cool. So that'll be something that people are really going to get into. Um, it's just going to be like a crazy night and it's the first one we've ever done. So I don't really know what to expect. I just know that like anytime we throw something to this extent, it it's all hands on board on deck, all on hands deck. on deck. And it just seems to take up a shit ton of our time. And I know that probably people are looking at our stuff recently online and being like, man, you guys really aren't putting out as much stuff as you were. And that's a reality right now, because uh, as Kyle can attest, um, I am I, I'm losing my mind. I don't know how you feel. Um, there's just got so much paid work right now that it's hard to keep up with. Yeah, we just just a lot of projects going on at once. Yeah, a lot of projects. And we'll get through this, and we'll grow, and then hopefully it'll be continuous. But, man, is it just crazy right now, which is awesome. It's definitely a good position to be in. So are you in for, like, the spooky podcast if I throw, like, six of those eight, six to eight of those together? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll engineer it up. Okay. We got to come up with, like, some kind of marketing plan for that, too. Something that we can, like, put out that's, like, scares the shit out of people. And we got to find these witches. Do we just put out like uh, a casting call for any witches in the area? Should we do a reenactment where you're starring as the witch? <laughs> what does that look like? Uh, you're wearing a witch costume. <laughs> and that's it? That's it. Talking. I'm g- well, you don't have to talk because it's a reenactment. So I just like will follow someone on the square in a witch costume? Yeah. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> I do got to give you credit for like being such a stubborn and opinionated person. You are kind of open for just about anything. If it's especially going to make yourself look crazy. You were pretty up for anything, dude. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to my childhood, honestly. Why is that? In grade school, I always would just do some really obnoxious shit that would just draw a lot of attention to myself. Like, uh, we had a super fan club. At St. Mary's, so all the guys would just go crazy at girls' uh, volleyball games and uh, basketball games. Hmm. And I would literally, like, at halftime, would go in the center court and fucking just start doing some chants and shit. Just solo dolo up there in front of, like, a whole crowd, gym full full of people. So I think 
that's where that stems from. Gotcha. So I think it adds up. Well, I'm pretty excited for your debut of your burger facts today. Those were <laughs> fire. Get ready for that, people. If you're voting on Instagram tonight, you will see Kyle Muha's beautiful face. Honestly, for my end, it was pretty cringy. But, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> You're gonna be you're, you're you're gonna be the face of local two and nine. That's what we're doing here. I don't know. It's gonna be hard to overthrow Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, so, did you watch that Bears game? Sure did. Yeah. It was the first Sunday. I haven't had work in forever, and I literally just sat on my couch for ten straight hours, just watching football. That's fun. It was sweet. What an interesting game. Um, I know we've been talking a lot of Trubisky in the office and, uh, what's really strange about it. And you might be able to test for this too in one capacity. So from the eye test, it really felt like Chase Daniel had a better grip on the offense. Yeah. And like, what's weird about it is it felt like for three weeks, no one was ever open. And then in that game, everybody was open. But then you look at the stat line, and he's only threw for like 140 yards. Yeah. And it was like one touchdown. It was like, wait a minute, what's going on? It was, the numbers were really misleading on what you actually saw on the field. Yeah. And that's not, because like the week before we saw Trubisky, who went through for three touchdowns, one pick, 240 something yards, and missed six passes. And that was not as – it didn't feel as impressive as Chase Daniels' performance. Yeah, I think it was mostly – I don't know. I feel like just he's able to see the field a lot better. My, my opinion on Trubisky is he's always been just a first-read quarterback. He can't get through his progression fast enough, and then he, that's where he gets in trouble. Because when, like, when he, there's nothing there – or his first read's not there, then that's where he's really starting to force the ball in places where it shouldn't go. Well, you know, there's probably some truth to that, right? I mean, it feels like the one difference really for me was that, like, Daniel seemed to be, which is not Daniels. Can people please stop calling him Chase Daniels? It's like the Elshon Jeffries. It's like it's not Je- it's not Jeffries, it's Jeffrey. <laughs> Have a little pride out there, Bears fans. <laughs> know your teammate, team's names. So... You, you see him kind of taking a step back, planting his back foot, making the read, and then throwing. It feels like Trubisky a lot of times does that exact same thing, but instead of like staying in the pocket and throwing, he's like he's like moving out. Yeah, bouncing around in the pocket. So, so it's like I don't even know if it's like a, he's just. It's obviously a, he's he's reading one read, but I don't even know if he's giving himself a chance to read a second or third read. Yeah, I agree with that. So it's weird that, like, because it's not like he's, like, sitting there with the ball for 12 seconds and no. just getting, just like, you know, teed off on. He's, he's like, essentially always doing something and moving. It's just the offense didn't felt the best it's ever felt last week, and they scored less points than they did the week before. And they were, it was less explosive, but it doesn't feel that way. I think a lot of why the point total was the way it was, I think the Bears and Nagy knew that, Kirk Cousins wasn't doing anything on the defense. So I think once they got those points on the board, I think they really started to try to just get the running game going, which still wasn't existent. But it was just a field position battle, I think, in the second half for the Bears, where it was like, all right, Kirk Cousins, you're going to have to beat us. And, I mean, 
Kirk Cousins again and again just can now win a game that the Vikings need to win. Yeah, I caught myself in like the fourth quarter when we were up 16 nothing, like getting pissed we weren't going for the shutout. Because it's like, it's like it happens in every football game. It's like the defense softens up, the middle of the field opens up, and the opposing team goes right down the field and yeah, scores. Yeah, that one, that one drive that they scored on was guys were so wide open. And it was like, all right, what's going on here? Like, this obviously the defense isn't playing like as hard as they were at the beginning of the game. Well, and then then you start to kind of like realize that Nagy is obviously like you trying to like he's seeing the clock as more valuable as the score. So at that point, he's like, we just need to trim this time off. Yeah. Which I get, but it's like, I'll never understand. So, like, we, we live in a football era right now of innovation in offense. Why do people insist on playing prevent defense? Like, it's worked for you for three quarters. That you just steamrolled this team. Why are you laying off the gas? Yeah. Because it's like, I agree. Because they didn't have anything going in the running game, and then I don't even know how many passing yards Cousins had. I think he had, like, 200-something, but it wasn't impressive by any means. No, and, like, you watch that game, and you're like, there's a perfect example right there where if, like, you look at Cousins, which I don't know my phone's in the other room, but you look at Cousins' probably stat line, and you're like, oh, that's not too bad, because he didn't throw a pick, did he? No picks. No picks. It was just they just kept putting the ball on the ground. But you, you see that, and you're like, oh, he's – 15 for 26 with 250 yards, but he played a bad game. He was bad. And, man, I as an Adam Thielen fantasy owner, super frustrating. Yeah, I have Thielen in one of my leagues. Did you see all the comments after? Yeah, it sounds like he's pissed. He's pissed at Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, legit pissed. Hit him. Hit him, dude. And, like, he doesn't even get the – it doesn't even seem like – well, you know what? And that whole game could have changed. That one play where Thielen was wide open running down the middle of the field – and he overthrew yeah. him like in the first quarter. That could have changed the outcome of that entire game, you know. But it's like it happens in football all the time. We get in this, and I, I get it. Like we're up sixteen. It's essentially three scores, right? Yeah, because well, all you need to do is stop them once on a two point conversion, and then that's a three. And, score I, and I think that's what I'm the, the time I'm thinking about. I think it was sixteen six, so it was for sure going to be two scores. And I think it was like four and a half minutes left in the game, and they're just like playing soft again. And it's like, I'd rather just not make this a game. Yeah. You know, like, why? I, I get that the clock is important, but it's like, just why are we letting them crawl back in just in case something fluky happens? But then I'm like, well, it makes sense because if they take two and a half minutes off this, they're down to a minute and a half, then they've got to get the fucking uh, onside kick, which is like, okay, I don't know. But, but the then thing, it's like, it still could be a game. The thing is, we've seen two games so far this year where all the other team needed was about 35 seconds to march down the field and get a field goal for a game winner. This is uh, Saints. The first week of the season, and then the Bears. It was literally like 35 seconds on the clock for both teams, and they literally two, three plays, got down the field, got the field goal, and won the game. As a coach, I always tried to put myself in positions of, if I had to defend what I'm doing, could I defend it? And I feel like it's close there, because I think that's the safer of the two routes. If you keep the pedal down... And you're like, we're just going to blow these fuckers out, which I think you should try to lean on that. Like, it's a feel thing, right? Do you think the Patriots are just letting up? Fuck no. They're literally 
destroying teams 46 to nothing. Yeah, dude, in Miami, I think it was 43 nothing, and, and Brady was still throwing touchdowns. I respect the fuck out of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, like, if you're going to say sportsmanship and all this shit, fuck you. This is professional sports. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> These guys could put up 56 on you, and if you can't stop them, that's your problem, not the other team's problem. And I think there's something to say about breaking the will of other teams. Yeah. Like, you get beat that bad, your will is shattered. It's <laughs> and shattered. I'm all about that. I support yeah. that. Yeah, and, like, especially, like, a game like Minnesota, right? Is like, granted, I know you could probably, like, you're trying, to, you're trying to, like, spread it on, and the next thing you know, you throw a pick six, and now it's, like, a game either way, and you didn't really take time off the clock. But, like, that's worst-case scenario looking at it. That's worst-case scenario, right? It's like you could easily say, all right, we're at 16. We're moving the ball well. Let's continue to do what we're doing and move forward. And I I was saying this in my my chat. I said it to you, too, my friend's chat. I've dislocated my shoulders, both of them. I've torn both labrums. And so I know what Trubisky's going through. The one time I I dislocated it so bad, my, my non-throwing shoulder, it was a play at the plate, and it was my senior year in high school. And uh, the ball was coming in from the outfield. It was thrown up about 10 feet from the line I was catching. I caught the ball with my, with my mitt, and the runner was coming by me. So I went to catch and ta- try to swipe a tag. In that moment, my arm completely went out of socket, and it was, like, hanging inverted in my shoulder, right? So, like, I, it was fucked, dude. And it, most of the time when I dislocated shoulder or something, I could pop it back in. This is the first time it wasn't popping back in. So I'm like, shit, you know? So in that time, it's more fear that you can't put your shoulder back in place than it is, like, pain. Uh-huh. Then you, like, like, finally, like, about 10 minutes later, but not 10 minutes, because I never missed a play. I still played. But it probably, like, and I'm not saying that to be a badass. It just really wasn't that bad a pain. And then so, like, it was more the scariness of not popping it in. And then so then I, it finally popped back in, and I was like, oh, that's fucked, you know? But, like, it wasn't bad enough to not play. It really affected a swing, my swing because it was my bottom hand. And so, like, it was like a general soreness. Um, it wasn't until the next three days where it felt like my arm was going to fall off. So I'm saying that because this bears health to this bears staff. And I don't think you can make it any worse by playing with it. I don't think it's one of those things like Durant's Achilles injury mm-hmm. where, like, you better not play on it. Or, like, his hand, like, what was it, his calf? It was a calf. And then he ended up tearing his Achilles. Something like that, yeah. It's not like that. Like, you don't, you can't, if you, the worst thing you can do is re-dislocate it, you know? So, it's like, that's the worst fear, but you've already done that. So, I don't know. I think they're being super cautious. There's no way he's moving his arm yesterday or today or tomorrow there's just no way he should be able to play sunday i want to say it took about two weeks for the general soreness to go down have you ever have you ever like thrown so much that your just arm feels like it's dragging the next day like it just hurts so bad soreness that's times two what it feels like the next couple days yeah, I, I really don't think he's going to play this week. And yeah, I, they've already ruled him out. Yeah. And then he's, so he's probably going to – then they got the bye, and then he's coming back. I would hope so, but – I mean, honestly, dude, we'll st- I think you got to let Chase Daniel play, and I think you got to give him a legitimate chance at, like, putting together a good game plan for an entire four quarters. Because if he stays hot like he was in that first half of the Vikings game, 
if we've learned anything over being a football fan, there's no reason to bench McCown and bring back Cutler. No. Ride the hot hand. Or Kyle Orton for Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. The guy that got us to the Super Bowl. Yep. You know what, Rex? You got yeah, this and like, one. I get the loyalty, and that's cool. But at the end of the day, we're winning football games. Yeah. You know, and like the Nick Foles, Carson Wentz. To me, that is like, I don't know how Philly is like, we need to keep Wentz and keep getting rid of the guy who keeps winning games for us. <laughs> that's a tough decision. Yeah. Carson Wentz must be like a real, real personality. Like just some charismatic guy that everyone loves because like in black and white it makes no sense why you keep telling Nick Foles to get the hell out of there yeah my only concern is we we did have a three game stretch with Chase Daniel last year or was it just two I think it was two and that Giants game was dog shit because he because the one I think it might have been three because I remember he played against the Lions too right I think so. It was the minimal two. But, yeah, I just hope, hopefully he does good again this week. But I just don't know if long term he could consistently produce each each week. I don't think it's an accident why teams generally continue to fail in the same positions for, like, decades. I think it's because, like, the Bears in particular listen to the fucking media. I do. I don't know why it makes sense to start a quarterback like right when you draft him. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'll never understand it. I think it depends on the situation. I don't, dude. I think like if you're sitting there, like what you want out of a situation like that, like like for example, Haskins in in, uh, in Washington. Them playing him yesterday made no sense. Yeah, like in a situation like that. There's no business to play Haskins. But for the Giants, it would have made sense to have Daniel Jones just start at the beginning of the year. But here's my only issue with it. These guys come out. They light the world on fire for about five to seven games. Then opposing defenses tend to, like, it's the NFL. They're figuring things. They're they're game planning and scheming a ways to stop you. Usually it's like that's fine until they figure it out. And then it seems like quarterbacks, like, get short-circuited after that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like, don't you want to like keep someone waiting so long that they're so impatient, and they want to get in so bad that there's no like they like there's no other choice but to be successful. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I feel like that's like a perfect world scenario. Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, I, obviously, we're I'm going to use the the examples that work. <laughs> But Aaron Rodgers... Just only the one of the top three quarterbacks in the league right now. He didn't play for three years. I know they had Brett Favre. I get it, dude. But, like, at one point, he was probably like, dude, fuck this. I just want to play. You know? For sure. No doubt. <laughs> There's no doubt. And I'm sure that ca- that let reached into this, the psyche of the Packers, at, you know, at that point of letting him, let trading Favre to the Jets. I mean, and so it's like, why not? Like, what is the rush, man? These guys are going to be playing for 10 years. And I just feel like you get caught up in the pressure and just the everyday, like, emotions of the fans. Screw that, dude. We saw that after week one, you would have thought this Bears team was de- – and I, I'm guilty. You would have thought this Bears team was destined to shit the bed this year. For sure. Well, the <laughs> – the saving grace was just those calls in the Broncos game. 
We will go back through this season and just look at that game as the saving grace for the team. For sure. And I think, you know what? There's something to say about getting getting to Club Dub. For the, the first time getting there, it's probably the hardest time. And then once you get there, it's probably much like now you're like, okay, we can do this. Yeah. You know? Because they play the Raiders next. I'm expecting them to win that game. That's a game they simply have to win. And then who they play, they got to buy. And then the Eagles maybe after that. I can't remember. Yeah, which I think is looking more and more like a game they should win. I think the like the Oakland, while they played well last week, I feel like that's a winnable game. Philly looks like a winnable game. I just hate bye weeks. Yeah, bye weeks suck. So, yeah. Um, the other thing we can talk about to you is the, re- the region's best burger contest. That's happening right now. And what was the numbers? I don't have them in front of me, but we reached 100,000 people in the first day. Yeah, it was like 103, I think the number was. And so with that being said, I think there's no reason why we can't shatter every number we've had so far. Yeah, the first one, that's almost half of what the previous two have been, right? Yep. You know what I really appreciate about these last two more than the first one? People are not airing how pissed off they are nearly as much as they were that first one. People were pissed. It's like, guys... Dude, it's so subjective. You know? And at the end of the day, if your restaurant doesn't win, like, is that really going to affect your opinion on your restaurant? Yeah. No. No. And I'll be, like, I think that people lose sight of, like, the big picture here. And I didn't know the big picture until we've gone through it a couple times. Because I also, I am, I'm a person who likes to seek truth and authenticity. And I struggled with this early on in Local 209, where it was like we did that first beer contest. And it pissed me off that the person who won i'm not saying didn't deserve it but they turned it into a social media campaign and so then it turned into like who was going to boost and who was going to spread the word the most which is a positive thing you know and initially i did i had a struggle with that because like to me it was like if 18th street's not going to win this is probably bullshit right but it comes down to how much you want to participate and what I found out through these first two of these is that, like, these businesses, while some of them, not all of them win, are super appreciative of the exposure. Yeah, I would, I would say with the last contest, uh, with our bar winning, it, it really just showed on why they won just because of the level of uh, participation from them on social media with the contest. Oh, yeah. And I saw Steve. We went there the day after we, they, they, they won. And, man, it was like it was awesome to watch it in real time. Of People were going there specifically to congratulate him on winning. And that's, that's what you do. That's what you're hoping for. And, and I know that, like, it doesn't sound like shit because I know some of the purists out there. I know a couple of my friends in particular have a hard time with it being a popularity contest. But you're thinking about it wrong. Our goals at Local 219 is to enhance culture and drive commerce. That's what we do, man. We want to make local businesses money. We, we believe in a great economy. That's what we believe in. And so if you're looking at it on the opposite way, you're looking at it wrong, in my opinion. Because I've seen the after effects of what this has done for people's businesses. And people who are maybe slow or people who maybe aren't doing like as successful as they were hoping and seeing the adrenaline shot this gives them. And like, dude, that's worth doing it. And I'll do it every fucking month moving forward because of it. Yeah. Cause, uh, 
Just Asmos once they won, they had that pizza thing. They had to take their phones off the damn. Yeah, one. man, and and it, that's happening out of just what they're, and that's that's what's fun about it is Peter Anderson. He was like, he was like, hey, uh, for winning this, I'm going to announce that I'm going to be selling medium pizzas for like ten bucks or something, wasn't it? It was something super cheap. It was like a ten dollar cheese pizza or something. Yeah. like, and he got so many phone calls that he had to take his phone off the hook, which is in, like a business <laughs> taking his phone off the hook is crazy. Steve over at our bar from winning that, I think he, if there was anything he did probably wrong in that, was that he announced it. He didn't. He didn't allow the big video to hit before he announced the special but he was giving it what was it 10 cent wings or something stupid it was a crazy wing deal and like it was the day of us shooting in there so it was like a packed house and that's what makes it fun that's why we do this yeah it was cool going in there and there was just a crowd of people it was like middle of the day too yeah (laughs) it's unbelievable um so that's that's what makes it fun and so this burger contest right now we're already through one round We've reached a hundred thousand people. Um, crazy to see the, the 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 like just reactions, and I think the Facebook um, mess up and mistake of them taking our stories away was a blessing in disguise because I think that's really helped. This has been by far the biggest contest we've done. Because you think the individual posts? Yeah, I think it helps. Because those people are more like they're sharing that. People, instead of sharing yeah, the bracket, I was, they're sharing that. I was going to say, I did see some friends on Facebook sharing the actual, uh, for like the matchups, sharing those individually on their page. So did you see it on your own without being a part of Local 219 yesterday? Yeah, because I, just like people my age, a couple of them work at Station 21 and stuff like that. So like people who worked at those businesses, I tend to saw them uh, retweeted it or... Not retweet, but reshare and shit. So cool, man. When we get off of here, we should really try to like reach out to those businesses and th- that made it to the second round and just tell them they're on the second round, just so it helps with the comes when it comes to like reach. I think it'd be cool. Um, so, is there anything else you wanted to add to this? No, we're. Uh, I guess the only thing is you're waiting for your boy Kanye to drop his album, but who knows if that's gonna happen. Well, I'm not gonna hold my breath, and I and on top of like the Kanye stuff, this weekend was really fun and horrible at the same time. Went out on a guy's trip to uh, uh, Lake Geneva. We golfed three rounds of Geneva National. Um, it's the Triple Putt Championship, or the Three Putt Championship is what we call it, um, because we all generally suck except for about four people who are amazing, and. Uh, we were 16 of us. It, it started out when I was, uh, when it was between our high school friends, uh, my high school friends. And so uh, it's kind of grown since then. It's more Ryder Cup stuff. And I have been a captain all three years, and I have won the championship all three years. So I add it to my mantle every year, and it was really fun. A um, lot of laughs. Good time seeing everybody. The sucky part, though, is that Friday night I got a call from my wife, and if anybody saw that social media campaign going around or that that picture of the sidewalk completely uh, collapsing under all the water, that was my subdivision. (laughs) So uh, we had about four feet of water in my basement. I spent uh, last night uh, at my mom's house because we have no furnace or hot water. Uh, So without a furnace, I guess you can't use air conditioning, so... Of course, it has to be the two hottest days of all time in October. Um, it has so been hot as balls. It doesn't make any sense. So we've got that going on. And then uh, so I've been living out of a bag for about five days straight. So well, I have that going for me. Holding up pretty well, though. 
Thanks, man. Thanks. I feel like I'm on top of that, the busiest we've ever been. <laughs> so no rest. Um, I will say this too. I don't know if anybody's really interested in this news, um, but the Crown Point Chamber, um, that stuff is happening and it's full force. Um, we got a ton of reactions and people who are just excited about it generally um, when we released the pictures the first time. Um, and there's some really exciting news about that that I cannot share publicly right now. Um, odds are it's probably been talked about a million times, but I will not release that information until it's it's official already. But until we launch, I am not going to say anything publicly about it. Um, but I will have some type of role on it. And so I want you to understand that. And then we're really trying to Anything we do or anything I try to put my head around, I try to really focus on making it awesome. And this is not any kind of uh, like, uh, like, I guess, mishap or anything that I'm not trying to do as well. This is going to be, I could already tell you there's three to four events that we're already talking about putting on for this that will be game changing. So be on the lookout for that. Um, if you're a small business and you're really interested in maybe joining that, um, it's going to be really cheap this first year. I can tell you right away, especially in the, in like the shadows of other chambers. And I'm not really interested in hearing about the, any other chamber. I think that they're all awesome and they all do their own thing. I'm really focused on the crown point chamber. And so if we can kind of keep that momentum going, that would be really awesome. So anybody who's in a chamber right now, it is not a competition. And I can just tell you right now, it's really about just making crown point the best it could possibly be. Easy enough. So I know that when we held the first press conference and we talked about it and the messaging was directly, this isn't, we're not taking the crossroads. We're not splitting from the crossroads. This is something that's like, we feel like is a need in the community and we support the crossroads. And the first headline in the paper said was crown point chamber breaks up from the crossroads. It's not the case. I am telling you a hundred percent. So do not the fake news, dude fake news it's real so just chew on that um tickets for the halloween party october 25th bob marley brunch october 13th murder mystery went amazing we will be releasing some of those so get excited for that um we have another big announcement coming up in january that i'm really excited about um other than that kamuha anything to add nope good day kanye stop being a dick release an album other than that i'll talk to you soon